0: All right. Good morning. Morning. Good morning. I am. Uh, I'm amazed that this many people are here for Labor Day. This is amazing. Um, usually Labor Day, there's like 15 people in the front. So you all are the real Christians. I want you to know that, and we're judging everyone else. Um, if you're new here, my name is Michael Fueling. I'm the lead pastor here, and I get the opportunity to preach most weeks. Not all the time, but most weeks here. And so um, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Would you take out your Bibles, open them up to Luke chapter 18? Uh, We are on the third and final week of a three-week series called Going Deeper in... Fill in the blank. Prayer. You can read. Awesome. And the goal of this is uh, multifaceted. Number one, um, some of you have no idea how to pray at all. And for some of you, we need to even dismantle some of your wrong thinking on prayer and put it back together. And that was really the last two weeks. And uh, we want to inspire and equip you to pray. Uh, number two, some of you, you know absolutely what prayer is. You have awesome theology and doctrine. And uh, you have flat out been neglecting God uh, in this vital area, and our desire for you is maybe not necessarily to equip you, but to inspire you and to help you uh, move back into a vibrant daily hourly prayer life with God through faith in Jesus Christ then there 's a third category, and it 's those of you who take seriously jesus 's command to make disciples and I want you to imagine someone comes up to you and they say i 'm a brand new Christian. I just placed my faith in Jesus Christ. Will you teach me how to pray what?" will you tell them? And so we in the back, and some of you already have them, have a three-week um, just simple guide that teaches people how to pray. It's something that you can give to somebody. It's a day, five days a week, uh, and it's connected to the sermons that we give. And so really our goal is very simple, to inspire and to equip you to pray. Now, let's just put something on the front end, okay? Prayer is ridiculously hard. Can somebody please give me an amen on that one, right? If it were easy, I wouldn't be up here preaching on it. We wouldn't prioritize this in our preaching calendar every single year for multiple weeks throughout the year. And uh, there are so many discouragements in prayer, unmet expectations, unanswered prayers. Here sometimes is one of my most frustrating ones, is answer prayers. It's like, okay, dear Jesus, I want to be more like your son i want to be more like you Uh, and so what he does is he takes away stuff out of your life and you're like okay i wanted to be like you but not at the cost of suffering not at the cost of you taking stuff away from me but no matter how you slice it prayer is hard i am blown away i will be praying i will be typically walking and then five or ten minutes will go by and i have completely daydreamed i'm like thinking about something completely unrelated and i was like wait a minute i think i was praying I, I, I can't even remember, any of you feel like that? or like It's sort of like that syndrome when you're reading a book and all of a sudden you get to the bottom of the page and you realize you weren't even thinking about anything that was going on the entire time. You have to go back and redo it. And uh, I would love to say to you, I'm like, I am a prayer warrior without fault and without struggle. And uh, prayer is one of the most difficult things. And I'll tell you, for me, where this comes from. um, I love studying. Of all the disciplines, studying comes easy to me because the reward is immediate. You know what I mean? Uh, I can touch the Bible. I can learn the Bible. I can repeat back what I learned. Um, I learn about God real time. It's immediate, it's tactile, it's tangible. And here is my frustration personally with prayer. It's not immediate. I remember as a kid, I would pray, dear Jesus, you say, ask for anything in your name. Would you please allow gold coins to just fall out of the ceiling? And it, and it never happened. I mean, sometimes it's not even just immediate. The answer is flat out no. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm your son. Like, you're supposed to give me what I want. Right? Of course, none of you have ever had that thought ever in your entire life. I'm positive. Um, But for me, what this really comes down to is that prayer um, is not typically answered immediately. Sometimes you can lift up a prayer to God, and years can go by. And the distance between the current need you have right now and the answer that you can't yet see is so discouraging that you step back and say, what's even the point? Now, doctrinally, theologically, like, do you know the point? The answer is yes. But when a heart is discouraged... When a heart loses its passion, when a heart loses its confidence that your God is fully attentive to every single word that you throw up to him, when you lose that confidence, what inevitably falls away? It's your, your prayer life. And I want, you to, I want you to hear this. I think this is so important. i want to just put this as boldly and as bluntly as I can on the front end. If you are a follower of Jesus, prayer is not an option to forego. In fact, if you neglect prayer, it is straight up rebellion and disobedience. And let that land for a moment. If you neglect prayer, it is direct, undisputed rebellion and disobedience. Your child comes to you and you look at them with all clarity, sweetheart, Dude, whatever you are, clean your room. And then they don't do it. And then when you come back to them and you say, why didn't you do it? I was too busy. Moms and dads, is that ever an acceptable answer? No. No. What would you do to your child who looked at you and said that? You would discipline them however you particularly do that in your home. Your boss goes up to you and they say to you, here's a project. This project is yours. It is your job. It is due in one week. And then you completely ignore them. Is that acceptable? Answer is no. And they look at you and they say to you in that moment of evaluation, why didn't you do it? And then they, you say to them, it's just too hard. Is that an acceptable answer? The answer is no. So what I want to do in this message, a couple things, I want to help you, I want to build some really tangible bridges, we want to start with a text and a point here, Um, but here's what I want you to get to. Uh, We need to take this whole discussion on prayer out of the category of optional and put it into a new category of vital and essential. So like somebody is struggling in their life, right, with a certain sin, but once it comes to prayer, it's like everybody struggles with prayer, it's cool, and we don't ever really think about it, it's not that big of a deal. I want to tell you why I think this is a huge deal. Um, I think it's a huge deal because, I'll say it this way, you cannot fulfill the purpose of your life without prayer. Uh, Did God create you to enjoy his presence? Answer, yes. Can you do that without a vibrant prayer life? Well, here's the answer. Husbands, try enjoying your wife without having any conversations with her ever. And the only time you do talk to her is you say, honey, I want honey, I need honey, do this. And then when she doesn't, you get mad and say, well, I'm not talking to you then if you don't do what I want. Ladies, how does that work for you, right? And yet we look at God and we say, I'll talk to you when I need something. And when you don't do it, I'm going to get upset. And when you don't do the things I want you to do, I'm going to get frustrated. And I want to just step back and say this, you were created to enjoy God. And this is one of the primary purposes of prayer. And if you don't do it, you cannot fulfill one of the primary purposes of your existence. Purpose number two, you exist to be changed Into the image of Jesus Christ. If you completely neglect intimacy with God, will you find yourself being transformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ? The answer is no, you won't. You exist to change the world. You exist to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. You exist to dispel darkness as the kingdom of God and the spirit of God takes over the world in your sphere of influence. And hear me, if you're not bathing your ministries, your conversations, your life in prayer, you're building a kingdom of flesh and works around you that's masquerading as behavior modification. And so I step back, I look at you, and here's why. I'm not trying to be mean. I want you to say this. It's not an option because without it, you cannot enjoy God, be changed by God, or change the world. But with it, but with it, you can enjoy God deeply. With it, you will find yourself transformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. With it, you can now begin to see the world around you measurably change as the kingdom of heaven comes to earth and transforms those in your life. Now, here's my question. Do you want to enjoy God, be changed, and change the world? And if you're a believer in Jesus, your answer is Yes. yes. And if you neglect these things, it won't happen. Is prayer optional? The answer is no. I mean, it's an option because you have a will and you can decide. But is it an option? No. And so if I can, for just even a moment on the front end of the sermon, look at you and say, let's stop. Let's stop making excuses. Let's stop all of the reasons that we have. I'm too busy. You don't understand. And let's press the reset button. And let's start over. Let's, Let's just leave here today and say, I know I probably don't know how, I know that I don't have a plan probably, I know that it's going to be erratic, I know it's not going to be perfect, but Jesus, today, I want to begin to learn how to pray. For some of you, you have to start at the beginning, and you have to learn to enjoy him. Some of you, you've learned it, but you've forgotten it. Some of you, you need to learn what it means to go before him and have him transform you slowly in your inner person and be renewed day by day. Some of you need to learn how to pray for other people and other things so that measurably God begins to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth in your sphere of influence. I don't know where you're at, but here's my simple desire, my win for the morning is that every one of you takes one more step further into daily praying to God. Sound good? Yeah, you're like, nah, I don't know. If you convince me further, then maybe we can do this. That's fine. Luke 18, look there, 1 through 8. And Jesus, he told them a parable. To this effect, this is what he was trying to get out of them, this is the goal that he wanted, that they ought always to pray. So just be clear so we're on the same page. What does Jesus want? For them always to pray. Sometimes, every other day, once a week, like, no, there's this... Um, concept in the bible pray without ceasing we'll talk about what that means pray always and all things give thanksgiving to, i mean there's this uh, idea of praying always this non-stop prayer and some of you because of your background and your former understandings of prayer you think you think it means you need to be a hermit right and you need to go sit on the top of some pole and just meet meditate and not say a single thing for the rest of your life or whatever like that's not actually what this means we're going to uncover some of this but Here's what he says. He told them a parable, so he's trying to talk to their hearts here, and he says this. I want you to always to pray, and I want you to not lose heart. Are they losing heart? Answer is yes. Why would he say this if they're not? So he's looking at his people. I feel like I'm looking at Village Church. I feel like Jesus is looking at me, and he's saying, I get it. I understand what it means to lose your heart, your passion, your motivation, like the intensity, the encouragement. I understand what it means. And when you find people who don't pray, they've lost heart. They've got unanswered prayers. They are discouraged. God hasn't come through for them in the way they want him to. And so you sit back, and I think, honestly, this is the condition of most of the American churches. We've completely lost heart. We've lost passion. And if you want your prayer life to be dead, lose your passion. You want to protect your prayer life? Protect your passion, your heart, your emotions. Protect those things. And what flows out of a real passion for God, necessarily it's prayer. You tell me, I'm passionate about seeing people come to Christ. Then, are you passionate about prayer? Because if you're not, then you're actually not passionate about seeing people come to Jesus. I'm passionate about discipleship. Okay, are you praying for the people you're discipling? Because if you're not, you're not Passionate about discipleship. I'm passionate about men's ministry and women's ministry and children's ministry and the preaching ministry and all the other ministries, blah, blah, blah. Okay, then do you pray? Because if you don't pray, you're not really passionate. Because if you were passionate, you would obey God and understand that the battle is not flesh and blood, but it is spiritual. And that you need to go before the God who controls the spiritual realm and has jurisdiction over that realm and say, Help. Me, because the best I got is behavior modification and emotional manipulation. You have jurisdiction over the heart, which is where I need. He says here they're losing heart. Then he tells the parable. He says, in a certain city there was a judge. I love this line, who neither feared God nor respected man. What a terrible human. And there was a widow, and I emphasize this word because the widow is helpless, helpless does not have an advocate likely. The only advocate this widow has is the judge Some of you think here the moral of the story is if I just keep praying over and over and over again, God is disinterested and he's annoyed by me and finally he'll answer my prayers, right? Just to get rid of me because he's bothered by me. Is that the point of what Jesus is trying to say? Please say no because that's not at all the picture of God that he's trying to get to. Uh, He goes on and he says this. And the Lord, Jesus speaking, said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. He's going to contrast. If the unrighteous judge does this, how much more will a righteous judge, and here's what he says, and will not God give justice to who? To, to the elect. And without going into all the doctrinal controversy, I know some of you are like, go there, Michael, go there, Michael. I know it. I can see it in your eyes. And another time, another sermon where I want to just mix things up a little bit. Uh, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just go Google that word, and the Bible, it'll be great. Um. Here's what it means. People who are Christians. Okay? At the end of the day, that, that, that's the end all and be all of this word. If you're the elect, you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're elect. So here's the deal. Does he give justice to those who are not the elect? Here's the interesting answer. No, he doesn't. He's not chomping at the bit to engage and intervene in the lives of those who are not followers of Jesus. So some of you are here and you are tossing up prayers of God left and right, left and right, left and right, left and right. And you're like, why isn't God answering me? I feel like I'm hitting a wall. And the reason is, is because you're actually hitting a wall. And here's the wall. You are not the son or daughter of God unless you have come to him by faith in Jesus Christ and relinquished all of your own righteousness and good works. Now, if you come from maybe an ex-Catholic background, that is a weird thought for you, right? And here's the deal, though. Some of us have grown up in a world that says, I need to do certain things in order to gain God's love. And, and Jesus and the Bible obliterates that idea. And, and very simply this, if you're not a follower of Jesus, do not expect that God will hear, answer, or respond to any prayer request that you have unless it is the following, Save me, I'm a sinner. I believe in Jesus Christ. That is the first prayer. That is the prayer that unlocks every other prayer in your life. There is no other prayer that you should be offering up to God except for a prayer of salvation and repentance before God where you look at him and say, "I have relied far too long on my own good works to get me into heaven." When people ask me, "If you died today, why would you go to heaven?" I've always said, "Because I'm generally a good person." But I read the Bible now and you say, "I can't rely on any of my good works." And now you're looking I'm looking at you God and I'm saying, "Here's my prayer of faith." From that moment on, here's what you are, a son or a daughter with the Holy Spirit of God. And he hears every single prayer you lift up to him because it's done in the name of Jesus. So he goes on. We'll keep going. Verse two or verse six. And the Lord Jesus said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? What do Christians do? Do. They cry. They plead their case. They have, we have real needs. I'm looking at y'all. You have some very real needs that only God can meet. You have obstacles standing in front of you that unless the Lord Jesus Christ knocks them down, they will never go anywhere. They might be familial, job-related, a million things. But here's what I know. We need to be crying to him day and night. I'll give you a couple examples just in my life. I can't control my kid's salvation. The one thing, like if I die and I just, I look back, if, I, if you could tell me if there's anyone in this whole world that you want to come to Jesus, it's, it's Al, it's V, and it's X. It's my three kids. It's completely out of my jurisdiction. Completely. And until God and unless God intervenes, I can't control that. Now, my oldest two, they are convinced, they've just pleaded, I trust in Jesus, I believe in Jesus, right? And then you know that sometimes kids grow up and then they walk away from that. I understand that. So I'm just not stopping to pray. I'm not taking for granted anything at this point. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to treat them as if they are. I'm going to enjoy them as if their confession is true, um, but I'm not going to stop praying for them. And so if I could, like, if I could like, control anything in the world, that's what I would control. I'd give away everything that I have so I could know that I know that I know that each of my kids are walking with Jesus. And every mom and dad who loves Jesus, you just say amen to that one, right? Amen. It's in our heartbeat. It is part of our soul. It's the way God wired us, probably to give us a little bit of a glimpse of how God feels about his children, those who trusted in Jesus. And so we cry, and we cry because... If you get it, this is what you do. If you get the deepest needs and desires of your heart cannot be met unless God does it for you because they're more than just physical things. There are eternal spiritual realities. If you get it, you will be a prayer warrior who cries day and night. And I think sometimes there's one of two things going on. I do get it, and I'm numb. I've lost heart. Or sometimes I just need someone to say it to me, and, I, and some of us, we've just never heard it that way. Some of us have just never heard It's like, I never quite understood. Like, wow, like if, like if this is the means by which the things that I want to see change in this world happen. And again, I can create behavior modification temporarily, but if I want to create long-lasting spiritual fruit, it's going to happen because God moves from heaven to earth and does something amazing. And God just happens to respond to prayer. That's, that's just one of the primary ways that he moves. He moves when people pray. We, he moves, he brings heaven to earth when we cry day and night. Now, here's the next line, and I get bothered, and it won't make sense until you get to the next line, but read this and just sit on it. Will he delay long over them? The widow's crying for justice. The widow wants justice. I think of orphans and widows and poverty and war and ISIS and things all over the world and China and the underground church and India and Islam and all this stuff, right? And God's people all over the world are crying for justice. And, and not like we do, right? We, we get to go home in our safe you know houses and nice beds and heat and air conditioning and all that kind of stuff. And, and they're pleading with God uh, and... He doesn't seem to be moving, but here's what he says. He will give justice to them speedily. Okay, if you just take a global snapshot, does justice feel like it's happening speedily? Anybody? No. This is like the Christian tension. There's our definition of speedily, and there's God's definition of speedily. And by faith, we live by God's definition of speedily and not our definition of speedily. (laughs) If you say the word speedily enough, it gets really funny sounding. I just want to hear them Speedily, speedily. Sounds like eatily. All right. Um, go to the next verse. Nevertheless, and here's what he says. Just When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? So I want you to catch this, right? You're going to pray. You're praying for justice. You're praying for these things that are real and tangible and necessary. I mean, these are worthy prayers. And Jesus says, I'm going to answer them speedily. And here's what his big picture answer is. When the Son of Man comes back, all of your issues of justice will be resolved decisively, definitively, into the satisfaction of all of humanity, except for those who are under justice. (laughs) And I'm looking at this, I'm honestly reading it and saying, wow, I have to redefine my definition of speedily because it might not be till after I die. Generations for the last 2,000 years have come and gone and have wanted immediate answers, and God has said, I will give you that answer speedily. And we kept saying, keep saying, it's not speedily enough. And he is like, no, trust me. When I come back to judge the living and the dead, every one of you will look back on your lives and you will look at the judgment and say the following, I would have waited as long as you did, knowing what I know now. We need to catch that, right? Because we want to accuse God and say it's not fast enough. Well, the being who has all wisdom, knowledge, information, right? Who makes the best, wisest decisions in all circumstances, at all times, without flaw, without any error whatsoever, the God who never says, oh, whoops, right? That God has decided speedily is just a little bit longer (laughs) than your definition. So we wait. But then here's what he says. He's talking about prayer. Remember, his goal is to inspire them to pray so that they don't lose heart. He says this, when he comes, will he find faith? I'm going to put the pieces together. The people of faith are the people who pray. So he comes back, and I think this will be one of the primary measures of faith. Do you pray? Or as the widow said, cry day and night. And I think if we believed God, we took him at his word, very simply, here's what would happen. We would pray more because he says to do it, and it takes faith to obey him. He says very clearly, right, that um, the world is changed through prayers. I mean, throughout the scriptures, this is the example, the model. This is what happens. Things change when people pray. I think we just look at this, and this is what he wants to know. Will, Will he find faith? And I don't know if you know this. Read the Gospels. Faith is really, 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 really important to Jesus. It's like one of the highest values. If he looks around all the people in the world, he's like, oh, who has the most faith? I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. He loves f- faith. People who blindly trust him and believe him at his word. And they say, even if I can't see the answer to prayer, even if I don't feel like you're close, I'm going to be diligent and I'm going to pray. 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 Why this parable? Because they were struggling and prayer is hard. Why were they struggling? Honestly, because their prayers weren't answered. They weren't answered by their definition of speedily. Now, I want to just look at you and give you an encouragement. Redefine speedily. And trust that Jesus now is intervening and responding to your prayers exactly in the right way at the right time. And believe that there will come a day when every act of injustice will be rightly prosecuted and punished, and you will look at him and say, I, if I knew what you knew, I would have done what you did. I would have waited as long as you waited, because you are a genius. We can't say that with our just pure logic right now, but you can say that by faith. And for those of you struggling to say that, I think one of the greatest prayers is very simply this from Thomas. Um, I believe, help my unbelief. And allow him to enter into that and to help you. Now, we're going to get to your notes. So you can open up your notes. And I'm going to fly through this because I really wanted to land for the majority of the time on the text. And now I want to just get to really some practical things for you. I think we need to redefine success in prayer. And one of the things I I want to help you understand is that success in prayer, it's not a destination. You will never get to a place in life where from this point on, prayer will be easy and every prayer will be answered in the time frame that you want it. Um, As long as you're on this earth, there is not a destination, okay? There is a journey that you will go on to enjoy God more, to be changed by God more, and to change the world more. You, as long as you live until you're in the presence of God, Right? you will never, ever like maximize your enjoyment of God. So whatever your greatest enjoyment of God is in prayer, it gets better. Whatever level of righteousness or holiness or Christ-likeness you think you've attained to, hear me, you have not arrived yet. There is more to go. And whatever impact you've had on the world, no matter how global your impact may have been, um, does God from the uh, to the day you die want to continue to do more in you and through you through a dynamic prayer life where he brings the kingdom of heaven to kingdom of earth? The answer is yes, you have not arrived. Enjoy God more. And when you get to a place where you're like, that was amazing. Here's what you can know. I love this line. The best is yet to come. God is not finished yet. God is continually moving and doing things. And then you'll get to this crazy season of life where your life is as bad as it could possibly be and you've never enjoyed God more. I mean, you know that when you are miserable and suffering and everything you love has been taken away from you and that you go to God in prayer and you enjoy every moment with him, you're now getting to some of the deeper levels of enjoyment of God. The majority of us haven't even touched levels of enjoyment in the context of miserable suffering where things have been taken from us. So here's what I want you to know. You have not arrived. I have not arrived until the day I die. I'm going to be continuing deeper enjoyment of God, deeper transformation through Jesus Christ into his image. And I want to continually pray that he changes the world through my prayers. Number two, success. Successful prayer is more than a scheduled time. Some of you are type A's and you just like discipline. If I pray for 15 minutes every single morning, I will be right. I'm holy and righteous before God because I follow it and I'm a disciplined human being. I'm not type A, (laughs) Um, if you can't tell. (laughs) And uh, I I just want to get you out of this mindset. It's the tension between spontaneity and discipline. So you you go on a date night every week with your wife, right? And it's meaningful even though it's disciplined. But you know what you do throughout every other day? You talk to them. You actually have real conversations. How was your day? Tell me about this. Did you hear what happened, right? Because a dynamic relationship, which God is relational and personal, etc., a dynamic relationship is both scheduled and spontaneous. And if you hyper-emphasize one over the other, you'll be missing some really beautiful things. And so uh, Jesus says, or Paul says in First Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. And here's what he means. There should be a constant dialogue to God from you, from God to you throughout your day. Uh, it's a little thing I called my default prayer life. And here's what I mean. Um, a long time ago, I changed the way I think. Like all of us think, right? I would assume you think. Can I, somebody say yes, right? So here's what I did in my brain. I changed the person I'm speaking to. Most of us think, and we talk to ourselves. So here's what I did 15 years ago. I started thinking to God instead of back to myself, revolutionized my day. And so here's what I found. I'm like having conversations. I, I don't, I'm not that great. I get bored with myself, right? Like God is infinitely interesting. And so this was a, a little thing. And so instead of telling my things telling things to myself all the time, like i look at myself in the mirror and I'd be like, so God, my hair is falling out. Cool. And it's, it's dumb, it's little, but it's like these things and it transformed just the way we interact on a daily basis. And so that for me has been really enjoyable. Uh, Mealtime prayer, I think is awesome. I know it becomes a ritual and whatnot and we can just do trite prayers that don't mean anything. Um, I love praying at meals. I think it's really kind of neat because literally Jesus orchestrated the universe so that meal can be before you today. And just to remember stuff like that. Um, worship prayer. Worship is prayer. You know that? It's prayers of adoration and thanksgiving, sometimes requests and supplication. For the most part, when we sing, we're lifting up corporate prayers to God. In your car, you put on a CD. Did you know that that's prayer? I want to expand your definition of prayer, okay? Are you a praying church? I don't know. We sing, we pray in community groups, we pray individually. I mean, we do a lot of things that are based in prayer. Random prayer. Corporate prayer. When you get into a community group, don't be freaked out by prayer. And If you don't want to pray, you don't have to. Um, but... Enjoy those moments of corporate prayer because they are honestly some of the most meaningful and impactful just to hear someone vulnerably with transparency talk to God. And then schedule prayer. Here's the deal. I don't, I'm not going to script your schedule for you. You've got to go before the Lord and figure that out. But when are the predetermined times that you set aside so that you and God speak? When are those times? If you can't answer me, they don't exist. And so I just want to say, maybe you leave here and you're like, the first job, I'm really good at the spontaneity side. I need to get good at the discipline side because great intimacy comes out of discipline, but great intimacy also comes out of spontaneity. Successful prayer looks different for kids and youth. This is just a word for moms and dads. When your kids are little... You're teaching them foundations through praying with them at meals and praying every night. You're teaching them who God is and how we talk to him. We talk to him not like, he is a big majesty, like, Lord Jesus. You're like, we talk to him like he's our dad. And we model, we're building these foundations for them. But it's when kids are probably pre-adolescent and adolescence that you're building habits. And the habits they start then are going to last And if you can build a habit into a 10-year-old, an 11-year-old, and a 12-year-old that perseveres through adolescence, you will have an adult with a habit. That is meaningful. And so you understand that kids pray differently in different seasons of their life, but for adults, for those who have trusted in Jesus Christ, our, our prayer is about intimacy and knowing and enjoying God. It is personal. It is close. It is a son or daughter talking to their dad as if they have the safest relationship with their dad they could possibly imagine. Successful prayers, praying, flexes with personality. Have you ever met somebody who's really disciplined in type A and you're like, that's just not my personality? And then they make you feel guilty because they're just disciplined and awesome, right? Every personality is so different. And some of you, you will thrive off off of extreme discipline and it does not interfere with your intimacy. Some of you are ADHD. Here's my solution for ADHD people. Don't sit down and pray. Why? Because your brain will start walking away, right? Right? And so what you need to do is move your body. So I cannot, I've tried being awesome, whatever, and I can't sit down and pray. I drive, I walk, I move, my body is in motion, and it gets all this excess energy out, and I can just focus with my mind. And so I love to walk. That's why winters are so hard for me, because I can't get out and walk, because I hate the cold. That's another problem. Those of you who are really, you're just creative and experiential, um, just even praying in different postures and different means and singing and writing and journaling and different things like that. I know for some of you, are like, that's so ridiculous. That's not me. There are some people who cannot get a clear thought out unless it is written or unless they are just doing something that is out of the ordinary. But I would just tell you, I don't, if I'm God, I don't care if you write it. I don't care if you think it. I don't care if you say it. I don't care if you sing it. I want to know you. And I want to be in a relationship with you. And so I think for us, getting out of this closed-minded, small mindset that you have to be sitting in a closet, in a closed room, without moving, on your knees, on your face, and that that is the only time acceptable prayer can happen, is that meaningful? Yes. And for some people, that's the primary way they pray because that's part of their personality and how they interact with God. And finally, I would just say this. Successful praying starts now. The goal of this message is not about past guilt or making you feel bad. I want to reshift your mind, and I want you to leave here inspired to truly pray. Redeeming empty spaces for prayer. Your morning. I'm not an advocate all the time of just adding, 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 adding. How many of you are busy, by the way? Anybody? Nobody. Okay, good. Breakfast. The bathroom. Some of you are just alone in the bathroom. Like, commit. Every time you're in the bathroom, you're just talking to God. The shower. Uh, I use my shower for either praying or listening to a podcast. You know, that's like, that's my shower time. And so, like, redeem these moments. Take the moments of your life that are wasted and figure out how to use them in such a way that they facilitate prayer. Your commute. Oh, my goodness. Some of you drive a very long way to work. Turn off talk radio. Okay. What's more important in the long run? An hour of talk radio and no prayer, or 30 minutes of talk radio and 30 minutes of prayer. Okay, negotiate with yourself. I think if I'm God, I'm just like I'll take 30 minutes. (laughs) I'll take 30, I'll take 10 minutes, I'll take 5 minutes, if that's what you need to start 5 minutes of talking to me and 55 minutes of talk radio, I mean, whatever the percentage is, I think God just wants you to start and he wants you to start moving rethinking your technology um, eventually in the next month or two I'm going to write a, a blog on how to use apps and iPhones and I guess Androids for prayer and to help you do that I, I need to repent about that last statement uh, I'm just going to do it about iPhones okay, good uh, Redeeming moments of awe. Like in suburbia, we go from thing to thing to thing, and then there's this beautiful sunset. We're like, oh, it's a sunset. Click, click, click. Walk away with Facebook, and we're done with it because it's documented. When you see something beautiful and amazing, just stop. Like a moment of awe can just be, I'm going to pause. That's amazing. They're just wild prayers. That's what I call them. Wow. Wow is one of the greatest prayers you can offer up to God. And then go on your way, right? And then still put it on Facebook so you can come back to it. <laughs> Redeeming routines with your family, mornings, evenings, night times, seasons of extreme difficulty or extreme blessing. You gather everybody together and you figure out how do we thank God for this or plea with God together. Redeeming your community group. I mean, learning to actually not just get through the prayer time, you are like how long is this going to take, but to really... Choose to intensely focus on what other people are praying. To really stop and like actually talk to God on behalf of one of your brothers and sisters and just go before Him and plead, cry to Him for their cause and what's going on in their life. Exercise. Some of you just need to stop listening to music if you can and pray. Here's what I do. I can't run and pray, so I run and listen to podcasts, and when I start walking, I turn them off and talk to God. And so it's a combo for me. I go back and forth. Walking, I can pray. (coughs) Running, I can only listen. It's just a thing. And then redeeming Sunday mornings. One third of our service is spent praying corporately through worship. And fully engage When you sing, don't just go rote. Every Sunday morning, stop. And this is a moment where you're approaching the throne of grace and you're lifting up prayers of thanksgiving and adoration. I mean, take it seriously. don't be afraid of how your voice sounds. My voice is the worst in this room. So just, you just throw it up there and and try to throw all the musicians up front off key with how loud you're singing. Uh, Sing to God. And then finally, I want to end with this, a few pitfalls. Watch out for the one-sided relationship. Those of you who talk and talk and talk and talk and talk to God and he cannot get a word in edgewise. Number two, watch out for your technology addiction. Did you guys know that the average smartphone user picks it up at 7.31 a.m. They check their personal emails and Facebook before they get out of bed. They look at their phone 214 times a day, 1,500 times a week. And the average owners use their phone for 3 hours and 16 minutes a day. Of course, none of you. That's just out there, right? Which is fine. But, like, put your phone down. Try it. Like, when you're praying, put it on airplane mode, this magical thing that doesn't let anything come through, right? And then put it aside, turn it upside down, and just be undistracted with God. Put it down. Because for me, I'm like, oh, I'm just going to read the Bible. Uh, I'm going to look at Facebook. Uh, Wait, am I praying? I don't know. Put it down. Watch out for Bible study that doesn't end in prayer. The point of Bible study is to know God and obey Him, not to get smarter. Getting smarter is like a tertiary point. I mean, it's down the line. I want you to get smart. Don't be dumb, okay? But I would rather know God and be dumb than know a lot and not know God. I'll give you a freebie here. We'll go to the fourth one. Watch out for the great American enemy of busyness. It'll just kill your prayer life. I get we're all busy, and that's why I think you should redeem the spaces of your life rather than just throwing more on. Start going through your schedule, and kill busyness because busyness will kill your effectiveness for God. And I'll just, the freebie is very simply, we'll go to number six. The great prayer line, God does not hear or care. Redefined speedily. He may not answer right now or he may just say, wait, I don't know. But here's what I do know, God loves you. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, he hears every thing you say. My win. My win is for you to be equipped and to be inspired how to pray. I pray that that is the end result of this sermon series. Next week, we're going to start a series on love. Alright, let's pray. Father, I love you. I know we love you. I know there are so many in this room who love you, who have Place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ we are your sons we are your daughters we are your children um, thank you and that apart from Jesus we have no access to you but you have given us your only son who has paid the price for our sins who is our mediator who is our go-between and even the Bible says that Jesus prays for us before you so that every need we have is represented to you even if we can't represent it ourselves that even the holy spirit intercedes and prays for us to you so that every need we have is coming to you from the holy spirit and from your son so god i just want to say thank you that even when we don't pray you're still hearing and knowing our needs even when we don't pray your love for us does not go down but god i so desire that i in the village church would not just be bodies on a sunday morning but would be enjoying you being changed and changing the world so would you do what only you have jurisdiction to do, would you inspire and equip us to pray? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen.